You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Grain's digital news podcast. Who knew that shaky cat videos, fail compilations, and poorly lit vlogs shot on IMAX would lead to the YouTube that we know and love today? Now a multi-billion dollar entrepreneurial platform, YouTube is fueling the DIY economy for all kinds of creators. While some choose to remain as a one-man show, writing, filming, editing, and uploading content all on their own, it is becoming increasingly popular for channels to have an army of support behind them to stay on top of the demonetization battle and keep up with a hungry YouTube algorithm that favors high-quality videos posted in high quantities. One channel that comes to mind? Good Mythical Morning. Rhett and Link have gone from creating content two guys in a garage style to running a full-fledged production house with a team of employees and becoming hosts of the most-watched daily show online with 15 million subscribers. Good Mythical Morning! Thank you for making us a part of your daily routine! And we're even seeing YouTubers branch out into mainstream entertainment, like Lily Singh. Your girl is getting her own NBC Late Night Show! But it makes you wonder, how are some of the longtime OG YouTubers like Jenna Marbles and Shane Dawson, who have 19 and 21 million subscribers respectively, able to consistently land on the trending page and gather millions of views per video while remaining mostly independent? Oh hell yeah! Like any social platform, YouTube is evolving. And as YouTube Premium irons out the kinks, it's seeming more and more likely that YouTube will take over television as if it hasn't already. So what does that future look like? Will advertisers finally catch on to the fact that YouTube has more marketing potential than pre-rolls? Will more brands follow in Red Bull's footsteps? Seriously, check out their YouTube channel, it's brilliant. And will they begin creating original content for the sole purpose of entertaining, trusting that the rest will follow? And as for creators, what does lasting success look like? Is high production value the way to go? Is creating for the algorithm key? Will maintaining a grassroots feel be enough to keep viewers coming back for more? Let's talk about that. Version Control presents episode 43, The Evolution of YouTube. Version Control, episode 43, The Evolution of YouTube is here for your ears. Weird cast today because we only have three of us. We are usually uh, a group of four to five, but our leader, Jackson, is still on extended hiatus. Have fun with your feet up, Jackson, watching some TV, playing with your dog. Mark, who usually sits here also, has gone on old people vacation down to Florida. He's at Del Boca Vista, I'm sure, playing <laughs> shuffleboard. But who we do have is our writer, Ivana, and our creative director, Scott. And I'm Nick. Hi, Nick. I'm using my grown-up voice this time. Wow, very respectable, Scott. Uh, amazingly, even when Scott talks like a 10-year-old, he commands respect here. So he can use whatever voice he wants on version control. I think that's more like of, a, of saying more about you guys than me. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Well, you lead by your actions. Uh, so today we're talking about the evolution of YouTube, and we're going to jump right into it with... Have you guys noticed... An evolution of YouTube. Well, definitely. I mean, Nick, you and I are from a similar generation where there was no YouTube growing up. I think actually YouTube 
became YouTube when I was in my early 20s. So it's, is YouTube like probably like what, 15, 16 years old now? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. And when it, when it showed up, um, I do remember like the, ver- one of the very first things I ever watched on YouTube was Lazy Sunday from Saturday Night Live. It was like that 4-3 music video from uh, the Lonely Island guys. And I didn't even know what YouTube was, but it was a way that you could watch it more than once for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is kind of the future of this internet thing. It's probably gonna be a b- really, really good. I will admit that, um, well, I don't know if I thought too hard on the subject when I first discovered YouTube, but um, I didn't think that it was going to change the world in the way that it did. Um, I think the first thing I, I actually remember very clearly, the first thing I saw, I think was probably like 2006. And it was one of those terribly filmed um, concert goer <laughs> videos, um, which still happened somehow. But I think the beginning of YouTube was, it seemed very much like people filming stuff with their phone or and or a bad camcorder and uploading that. It wasn't so much, you know, just like, finding any video that may be available on the internet and putting it on the platform. It did start pre Google, like Google purchased it. So it did start as like a regular piece of tech Mm -hmm. um, that was created just so people could share videos. But I do remember too, like when they first started, there was some serious legal issues because they didn't know how to treat it. They're just like, who owns this content and why is it being shared? And then how can how come people aren't making money off of it? There was actually a really good South Park episode about that. Mm-hmm. Well, when I started, um, when YouTube first began, I was in middle school. And for me, it was really just uh, funny videos, like fail compilations and just friends getting together at lunchtime and watching dumb videos, like you said, like poorly edited, poorly shot. Um, And then it wasn't for me until I was in high school, so to put some years to it, like 2010, 2011, that I started to really follow YouTubers and subscribe and really get into some people who were making consistent content. Um, So I wonder if if your perception of YouTube is a little bit different than me just because I was younger. Like for me, um, from the ages of 13, 14 onwards, I've always been watching influencers and subscribing to people. And I've even watched people since then who I still watch now. So what about you guys? Like, when did you notice, oh, YouTube is really going to be a thing to stay? Well, Nick and I are the old ones in the room right now, Missy Jackson. Um, (laughs) But I think uh, it wasn't so much as like, uh, oh, this YouTube thing is here to stay. It was a lot of mass confusion when it first started. We didn't, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it's like, it was, it's hard to figure out what it was and what it was going to be because at that time, um, visual entertainment was only like in terms of like movement was only through the television and movie theaters. And if you wanted to physically download a file, um, which itself had its own problems in terms of like waiting and like what that was going to do to you. The big change for me was the immediacy. You want something, you search for it, you see it and it's done with. Um, so I think for me, from a technological standpoint, that was the biggest leap is to realize that like you can get entertainment immediately, um, entertainment that you like and that you were searching for. It's not being forced upon you, which mm-hmm. is very, very different from like the traditional flipping through channels on TV. Totally. Also, I mean, everyone uses YouTube and or the internet uh, based on their own subjective tastes. And for me, and maybe it's because I was, you know, a little bit older when it first came out, I 
have never really followed any particular influencer. Like the whole influencer culture surrounding YouTube just passed me right by. You just haven't found your niche. <laughs> There's something that exists for you, Nick. You just gotta find it. I will watch a how-to video. I'm not gonna watch all of the content that the person puts out. And frankly, I don't wanna see them at all. As soon as anybody starts with, hey guys, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> yes, see you later. Totally. But, but that, I think that's the beauty of YouTube is you still use it on a regular basis, but use it completely differently than Ivana does. Mm -hmm. And I think for like, it was, we're talking about the evolution of it. What it, to me, where, where it has continually evolved in, in the right way is its discoverability. Totally. Right? Like the, it, it, a few years ago, it started to get smarter on like, you know, it started to know what types of videos you like to watch. So it used to offer you things or based on your subscriptions and stuff like that. So the, the discoverability of entertainment and, and clips and how-tos and all that drastically increased and also kind of like changed the way we look at how we want to personalize our entertainment experiences. I, I think like for, for the better, it's killing cable and I love it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because viewers want choice. And if you had the choice between having choice and not, <laughs> obviously you're going to choose the former. I think the other way that YouTube has really evolved too is uh, like in production value. Um, like I said, there are some creators who have been around for a long time. They started making videos in their basement or their garage, and now they have full-fledged production teams. It's, it's high quality entertainment. Um, which is a good thing. It's a great thing because we're like, I'm saying we, like I'm part of the YouTube world, but YouTube is being seen as more of a mainstream thing and as a competitor to television and cable. Like even in the last two years, I would say there's been a huge shift where um, mainstream production companies and such are really recognizing the value that YouTube has. Um, we mentioned it in the intro, but like Lily Singh, for example, she's going to be getting her own NBC night show, which is incredible. Um, and she started with YouTube and in Toronto, shout out. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting though, because with the high production value becoming more common, it makes it a little bit harder for like new people who want to start creating content um, in that way to start because people are used to that higher level of entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, but it can really go both ways because I don't know if you guys know who Joanna Cedia is. She's this YouTuber, she's in high school. She started in the summer, she's from Toronto actually, and randomly has gone up to 200, or 2 million subscribers recently. Um, and she just makes really lo-fi videos, like vlogs in her home, just hanging out and doing stuff. But people love it because it is a return to that old YouTube where it's like just an entertaining personality and not all of the like smoke and lights. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, which I don't know if there's a right or a wrong. Yeah, I would say, there's definitely not a right or wrong, and I wouldn't lament this necessarily, but it's interesting to see smoke and lights um, is a good way to put it, that uh, what YouTube is becoming is more of a traditional television format. Um, at least it looks that way. Mm -hmm. But I think they're actually doing it better because you can actually measure it. You can measure popularity. You talked about 2 million subscriptions. Does, does, are you familiar with the Nielsen ratings? <laughs> Right. Yes. Yeah, but like, I'm not like I just know that they're a thing. I don't believe them though. Right. 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 And like they're it, like that's and that's what cable television was always based on and the success of these things. Whereas YouTube, you can literally go on the video mm -hmm. and see how successful it is based on the views, based on the comments, based on the thumbs up and the thumbs down. Like, where this stuff is trackable and success is measurable for once in entertainment, and I think that's the that's the future of it. It's also why I think a lot of people get frustrated with it too, because what they believe is good 
isn't necessarily proven as good based on the YouTube community, mm-hmm. which is tough for some people, um, which I totally understand. But I mean, that's, that's what you're risking when you put your content up there, which is, I think is probably why a lot of them are turning to higher production value. What about the shift to higher production value though? I mean, are you opposed to that aesthetically when you look at YouTube as opposed to television? I mean, like they should be two, there should be a dichotomy between the two of them and there's not necessarily. It's weird. I think it's, it depends on how you use YouTube too, right? Like, um, from an original content standpoint, sure. I think a high production value can be successful, but the way that I use YouTube is I'm looking on there for clips of high production value shows anyway. So, and it's stuff that's already on sort of broadcast or movie trailers and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, I'm also a little bit, I have a soft spot for the, for the DIY, just, but it doesn't mean that it, it has to suck, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause I would oh, well, say no, it, still that, sh- it shouldn't suck. Yeah. But I'm sorry. And I sh- that's sort of like an overarching statement. The production value doesn't actually have to be high, but it can still look great. Mm-hmm. Um, so like case in point is like all the Casey Neistat stuff right? He does it all himself. It is completely DIY. It just looks dope. Mm -hmm. Whereas like for somebody like me, I would probably have to pay somebody like thousands of dollars to make stuff look that good. But that's why I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. It's part of the culture. Yeah, totally. See, if you look at like the good mythical morning guys, I admittedly don't watch that, but I mean, it's just like I was talking about, like it's a variety show. It has a set, Mm -hmm. has, you know, there's obviously, they're probably like in a studio. Um, so that to me does not look like what YouTube should be, but it is what YouTube is now. Uh, and I think that like you were saying about if somebody's trying to break into the game, you're going to try to compete with that. I don't think so. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about production value and all that too, and the way that it kind of matches or is taking over the way cable TV did. But I think a lot of this stuff didn't come into play until Google kind of implemented the, this idea of pre-roll mm-hmm. and and turned YouTube into an ad platform. Yeah, and then uh, if you go to YouTube Premium, I believe it's just like a standard commercial format. Yeah, like actual commercial breaks. So it basically it is TV. Yeah. The, well, I mean, it's the the way that it is structured in that in that sense with with breaks and stuff like that. It definitely is. Um, but I think it's interesting. I mean, from a marketer standpoint, like you're looking, there is a traditional way to look at television. It's like, you've got 30 seconds or you've got one minute or something like that. You've got like a specific set of time. You've got to get people's attention and people are expecting these things. Um, and it's an older model. Um, some of it still works, some of it doesn't, but the way that they've kind of implemented the ad model into YouTube and where it can go is fascinating Mm -hmm. because, um, whether you know you're, you're a brand that's buying skippable videos or you're a brand that's literally just building a channel and, and looking for subscribers to push out your content. Um, if you, some brands are becoming entertainment platforms themselves within the YouTube universe. Um, all that stuff should be considered because again, it's still uncharted territory. It's still really, really interesting to see where all this stuff goes and to see like people and brands really experiment with, uh, with the technology and with, uh, with where storytelling can go. I'm interested to see when, because it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, I think it's when. There's still um, one area that's still very much kept for cable is like live um, entertainment. So whether it's like a big award show and things like that. And there are ways to watch it online, but you still need like a cable provider usually. So when is that going to happen? Because like, for example, um, 
with with shows like the KCAs, for example, that's for young kids. Obviously, young kids are on the internet. Um, I guess some of them still have cable, but wouldn't it seem like an awesome opportunity to sh- stream that live, like and use YouTube? They they could charge so much for an ad spot on there because they're going to be getting so many views. So the trick thing, tricky thing with that is YouTube Live does exist. Um, it's basically they've they've reserved that for concerts mostly. I would say. The other thing too is that specifically about the brand that you're talking about, they have their own video providing streaming service. Right. So they totally could turn to a larger service like this and probably charge a lot of money, but instead they're drive, they'd much rather drive people to their particular property, which again is a fascinating thing to think mm. about in terms of like where entertainment is going from a marketer standpoint, right? Also, uh, there's a lot of debate surrounding user-generated live streams especially after a massive shooting that just happened in New Zealand that was live streamed. Um, There's no real responsible way to do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if YouTube wouldn't really want to wade into that or is at least very careful about it. Definitely. And YouTube is, uh, I mean, again, with the standard evolution of a piece of technology that changes the way that we do things, it it definitely has its fair share of like bumps along the way. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So here's a weird question for you guys. Uh, is there any particular ad that you guys are seeing in pre-roll all the time? Because I'm just interested as to how the algorithm is playing for me because there's one that like everything, maybe it's the content that I choose to click on, but all the time. Well, what is it? You have to tell us now. Well, I will. I just want to see if you guys are getting the same. Well, so this is what is interesting for me is I usually watch my YouTube on my laptop and I have ad block on my laptop. And I don't on my phone. Don't tell Jackson that. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes when I'm on my phone and I'm watching YouTube and I'm served a pre-roll um, or even like in between video ads, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a thing and they're making money. Um, but then I'm like, when it's when it's very invasive and there's a ton of spots in like a short video, it made me wonder like if if advertising continues to become inherently invasive for lack of a better term like on streaming platforms like netflix where i'm sure it's going to get more uh obvious than just product placement and on youtube is the next thing going to be like a third party like a new independent streaming service that's like somehow absolutely free of ads like is that the way that we're going or like ask vimeo no yeah (laughs) Uh, i don't know i mean again they're for two different purposes but i think you're you're totally right it's it's a cloudy future in terms of like where ads are going to live within this and 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 you know what like i they feel intrusive sometimes but i don't know what it is i've just become accustomed to them now like it doesn't bother me anymore i skip them sure but i'm also like every video i open i'm almost expecting to see a pre-roll and to answer your question nick i keep getting a mccain's french fry ad um (laughs) but i also think that it's fascinating It's not just based on your views because it's tied into YouTube or because it's tied into the Google network. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Mm-hmm. So it's what people are, it's, it's scraping what people are emailing you, what you're subscribing to on newsletters, what you're searching, all of that stuff. It's building that profile for you and then it's serving it based on that. It's not, it can't just be what you've watched recently as either. Mm. And location has a lot to do with it too. What do you got? No, I wanted to know. I want to know what your what you pre-roll do? is. Oh, I guess you don't have one. Ad blocker. Again, don't tell Jackson. Don't listen to this, Jackson. Uh, Squarespace. Ah. Every video, it's like the same. It starts with that like little drum thing happening. And I'm just like, why is Squarespace just coming at me like this? I'm already a Squarespace Squarespace subscriber. Like, (laughs) Maybe that's why. Leave me alone. (laughs) Uh, I think, yeah, it's it's not just one 
uh, it's not like a one-to-one ratio. Oh, you, you watch this, so we're going to serve you this. I think it's a cumulative thing based on Google's profile of you. They're actually pretty slick ads, but I'm, I just love to be, you know, sold something else. So I can't wait for that to sort of like, <laughs> we can talk after about out. McCain French fries if you want. I yeah. know all about those. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the, the gods of the phones are listening and I'll be served up some McCain. <laughs> So, I mean, we obviously all watch YouTube. It's kind of made its way into like our natural news cycle, if anything, if like we go there just to, to look at content. Um, do you guys think that it's kind of made its way into this delegation of mainstream entertainment now? It depends what you call mainstream yeah, entertainment. Exactly. Like mainstream entertainment, meaning like the masses choose to be entertained, find their entertainment there or mainstream entertainment is like Ellen is on it. Uh, I would say the latter. So with like what, what you watch on YouTube, do you consider that mainstream entertainment? For me, no. What, what makes you say that? Um, I think because everything that I watch is still niche. Mm. Uh, and that's just personal taste. Like I'm not watching. You're so niche, Nick. <laughs> well, I'm not watching the I mass consumption. I only watch channels that have under 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. Sorry, you guys. I'm taking my toys. Away. <laughs> You're going to make fun of me. No, I mean, I'm not watching Jimmy Kimmel or Ellen, or whatever morning show is du jour, <laughs> morning du jour. Um, so yeah, I, don't, I just don't watch channels like that. If I did, I'm sure they're available on YouTube, so that I, could, I could say yes, but uh, because I don't, I watch weird things. Do you ever no. find that they offer you, based on, based on your watches, like on your subscriptions and stuff like that, that they offer you things that are either beneficial to your uh, viewing choices or you're like, this is weird and it's coming out of left field? No, uh, I'd say beneficial. Like I said, I do watch a lot of like how-to stuff mm. and the only things I actually subscribe to are probably, um, you know, content how-to mm-hmm. type of stuff like um, various DPs and other sort of camera and or gear blogs or blogs. I, so those I will, I will see like pop-ups or things like mm-hmm. that. So I, I do think that that's constructive actually. I just think it's fascinating how everybody uses YouTube differently. I also know people who use YouTube as a search engine. Wow. Yeah. They just literally, they're like, I don't know what this is. I'm going to YouTube it. It's not even Google it anymore. They're just like, I want to see a video about it. Totally. When I said niche, I mean like I literally watch like bands and watch like people playing music Oh yeah. and or how to's. Like those are my two things. So mine's all over the place. Like, and I, and I kind of like it that way. Like it's definitely, and I think that's what it's for. Like mine's like a combination of like movie trailers and like weird influencer videos. Like, there and, are so many weird communities on YouTube and it always feels so exciting when you discover something new. Yeah. Like I recently discovered the whole world of uh, restoration videos where they just like find old knives and tools and weird like vintage things and they completely restore them and like make them shiny and it's so fascinating you should uh get into the world of preppers of what preppers i was Doom, into that Doomsday for a minute preppers. Yeah. Oh, oh no 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 I don't <laughs> No, actually it. they're kind of neat because uh they're well they're probably weird in person but generally they're just like going out and like building a cabin with their hands and things like that which is oh. actually kind of cool like i'll give it that but i think what you said about the community building is really interesting like that's what cable will never have Right, because YouTube as a platform is providing entertainment with the intention of having you respond to it in some way. Whether you're liking it, it's tracking your views, you're commenting on it, you're taking that link and sharing it with a friend. Um, It just has so much more potential. Well, cable did have that, but it was like someone would call in and or send letters. It was basically 
it was, you know, community cable. Yeah, but we're living in the age of instant gratification, Nick. We are. We're you living in the age of quick and easy. And it's also accessible. Like we yes. talked a little bit about like DIY style, but literally anybody can put a video on YouTube. Whereas there used to there still is this sort of barrier for television and film where you have to somehow reach a certain echelon or pay a certain amount of money. Like we could literally turn on the webcam here and be on YouTube in a matter of seconds. True. I, th- I think when we're talking about the quote unquote separation between mainstream and YouTube, I think YouTube is what's becoming mainstream because mm-hmm. all of these networks and, and shows on cable, like you mentioned, Nick, like all those daily shows and late night shows, they are all, um, prioritizing like, okay, what can we do on YouTube too? Like, how can we be a part of that community? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think the way that it's going to keep going is YouTube and, and choice and streaming is definitely what people prefer. Yeah. It's funny just how old, you know, structures just reiterate in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's an evolution, but it still just happens. So it's like, what I really love is the opportunity for, um, you know, people to have, a sort of grassroots marketing campaign, just like, for instance, if it is a band, they get together, they go out, make videos on their own, and then they can just blast them out into the world. That's great. But there's still an upper echelon. There's still Mm going to be like the KEXP that you need to be a part of, and then you're going to be like vaunted and respected. So, uh, yeah, I still think it's no different from if you were on community cable or if you were asked to be on much music back in the day yeah so i mean i think we all agree that i mean it takes a certain amount of hustle to to kind of become successful in any medium but i think what youtube has done is made made the ability to hustle a little bit more accessible to everybody Mm -hmm. totally well i think the reason that i went on that just that rant just a moment ago is i was going to say that it takes away a bit of the um like it, it in the days before internet, if you got on TV, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone invited you to be on television and your image was up there, that's that's like a, a thing. You know, like you got in the local newspaper because of it. You, you got in the local, <laughs> yeah, totally. You would have like, and you know, your grandma would be talking about it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, and now that is just like everybody. There's videos of everybody, so uh, it's a lot more difficult to be impressive within it. But uh, you know. Now I'm going completely cyclical, but I do think that there are still, you know, pillars even within YouTube, the Mm -hmm. YouTube community that are like, okay, well, I don't know if your grandma will brag about it the same way, but she still might be like, oh, wow, (laughs) you made it (laughs) onto Good Mythical Morning. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's a good point because there's still the people who most people still view uh, making it on television as a success. Like we mentioned Lily saying, like to her, it's like, I made it, like I broke through YouTube and and made it to television, television. Um, but eventually that's not going to be seen as like a positive anymore. I don't know if you guys watch Conan O'Brien, but he cut his show down from an hour and 15 minutes to half an hour because the stuff that he's been doing online is significantly more successful. So basically what he's saying is like, yeah, 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 we're on TV. That's, that's great. But look at all the cool stuff we're doing on YouTube. Um, so what are you guys watching on YouTube to kind of close this off? Just, I mean, Nick, you said you watch a lot of how-to videos, but like who, what was the last thing that really kind of leaves an impression in your mind that you watched on YouTube? I really like Pressure Drop TV. It is uh, really well-recorded concerts. I think it's French. 
Um, so that's one thing that stands out. And then wow, you watch French concerts on YouTube. <laughs> you, yeah, niche is definitely the right term for Nick. Well, it can be you know the band can be from anywhere. Mm. They're just really well done. And I've mentioned a few times KEXP as mm. well, which again is just like they get great talent on there. Uh, the NPR Tiny Desk concerts. Oh, I always I watch those. a lot of those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, none of this is like, extremely edifying. It's just like pure entertainment for me. But it is those are the channels that I, I like are my go-tos. So music is your thing. Music and how-tos. Music and how-tos. How-tos, I don't have any specific person. There's a, a woman from California who goes by Atola Visuals, who I think is pretty good. She does uh, camera tutorials. And another, I don't remember his last name, he's a Finnish guy from the States named Matty. Mm, camera guy. <laughs> smush, smush, smush. Yeah. <laughs> Matty smush, smush. Uh, but he's great as well. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I'm just... But aside from that, it's the Wild West, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, I, I'm fine with YouTube, the YouTube algorithm feeding me thumbnails of things that I'll watch mm-hmm. once and sign on forever after that. How about you, Scott? Uh, I am a little bit behind the times, but I've been watching this show by Funny or Die called A Very Special Episode, where they take uh, old sitcoms from the late 80s early 90s and they do five minute reviews of them but it's from the perspective of this is not as wholesome as you thought it was um so i love that it's from the same makers who make zach morris is trash uh, which is another great show um i've never seen it but i love the title well they basically break down every episode of uh say by the bell and show you scene by scene why zach morris is a piece of trash <laughs> Um, it's great, yeah. uh, but I mean, I that and I, I also watch a lot of uh, people playing video games really fast called speed running, um, which oh, I cool. can't stop watching. And like, I'll I'll open YouTube and be like, I am not gonna watch any speed runs today, and I'll sit there for forty minutes and just watch somebody beat like Mega Man seventeen. I love how oh you know Scott loves that. Ivana's immediately like, oh that's cool, and I'm like. I would never watch that. Like, never. But that's different strokes <laughs> that, for different folks. Yeah, and that's what YouTube's for. Yeah, totally. Ivana, you're gonna, oh. you're gonna, you're gonna take us home here with all the cool stuff. Well, yeah. no, I, I just, I just like things that are funny and entertaining. Um, <laughs> so I watch okay. like I, Good Mythical Morning. I love Gentle Marbles. Um, I watch a bunch of comedians like The Valley Folk. Um, a, a lot of them are, are creators that I've watched for a long time and I've seen them evolve. And I do feel like I've create a relationship with these guys especially when like like the valley folk for example they're in toronto i got to meet them we like went to karaoke with a bunch of other people from toronto like it's cool it's cool getting to watch someone who you do feel like you get to interact with in a small way and i'm starting to get into D <laughs> on, on like with critical role they like film their DD. um i was telling scott about this it's a bunch of voice actors and so they really get into their characters and it's so entertaining oh my god um, so you're yeah. you, that's you are crowned third level nerd Yay! <laughs> I did it! Respect the hustle. We're back for our fun time choices segment called Respect the Hustle, where we respect the hustle of, you know, brands or anyone else who's doing it right in the digital world. And I think today we're going to start off with Scott. Ah, cool. Um, very excited to re-announce because it got announced yesterday that Google has launched Stadia um, and they opened GDC, which is the Game Designers Conference, with this big announcement. Nobody knew what it was for and they released this new streaming gaming service called Stadia. And basically what they're saying is you no longer need to go out and buy a video game console. They will provide you access to every single game you can think of 
um, purely based on a streaming service. So you still pay for the game, but you don't have to go out and buy a system. You don't have to spend money downloading on anything. Um, you're literally just going on there, playing through a stand. It's, it's, a, it's literally Netflix for games. And I think it's incredible. And it also makes perfect sense as to why Google is doing it. It sounds super cool. Uh, I have one question about it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this just makes perfect sense. And it's been like the technology has been there for a long time. Uh, do you think the companies were just holding back because they still wanted you to buy a console? I think it has a lot to do with licensing because from as of right now, Google won't be licensing their own games. They'll, uh, they won't be creating their own games. They'll just be kind of licensing it from other game publishers. And a lot of the game publishers are essentially owned by the console. So there's like PlayStation. Mm-hmm. It's a game from PlayStation. It's a game from Xbox. It's a game from Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that it's going to be um, a long time before every game makes it onto Stadia, um, but more often, uh, more often than not, the people crumble to technology, and I feel like this is a game changer in that sense. Right, and this is just another guess for my part, but maybe it has something to do with the prevalence of connectivity now. Like Absolutely. Maybe, mm-hmm. Yeah, this technology has probably been around for, you know, I mean, like this could have been created ten to fifteen years ago, but you would have had to be, you know localized in a yeah. very uh, strong no dial-up internet up fun. No <laughs> but now everyone can play it you know on their various networks anywhere they choose to but it's also connectivity between people oh yeah because like true. with the rise of twitch and like streaming and people wanting to interact with gamers that they love and watch um, and games that they love to play um this is like taking that a step further it's it's bringing the worlds together and i i love me some twitch but this is definitely going to shake up the twitch community because one of the cool features that it will have is the ability of while you're playing you can drop a pin in the moment that you played and share that clip immediately on youtube cool so i'm not a much of a gamer but you guys both are how has this been shaking up the gaming community like are people stoked or uh it's been a day um, <laughs> so I, I would say most people are stoked. I mean, it's, it's about access, right? Right. Um, I'm personally really intrigued. I'm not like totally bought in on the idea yet just because I want a little bit more information about like what kind of games will there, will there be? Um, and call me old school, but I love the idea of going out and buying a console or having a console there in my home. So I don't think that, I mean, who knows? Maybe that will die eventually, but I'm sure that's going to still be around for a long time and Xbox and PlayStation aren't, and Switch aren't going anywhere. Um, but this is just something new and different. I do think it's definitely going to be dependent on the titles that they get. Um, but I mean, just going back to when the PlayStation was launched, like way, way back, everybody was very concerned about, oh, they're, they're not going to get any games. And look at it now. It's basically yeah. the most popular console out there. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. There's lots of game creators. There's lots of titles that can go there. Um, I just think it's super interesting because, again, it's access. Yes. Right? Yeah. And as per the, you know, purchasing something physical, probably legacy markets open up, just like happened with uh, vinyl collectors in the music industry. So um, Yeah, that's a good point. There will probably always be something that you can go and buy should you choose to mm-hmm. like the like the stadia controller like the stadia you're right you're controller. right scott like in terms of accessibility like this is going to be great for a lot of people nick who maybe aren't into video gaming but it's going to introduce it to them in a way where they don't need to go and buy out the hardware that would help cool awesome awesome pick um my respect the hustle is a brand called alfred have you guys heard of them 
No, but okay. I like the branding already. Yes. Okay. So Alfred, I heard about them about a year ago because in my apartment building, they gave flyers out that said, hey, we're introducing this service. It's 24 seven um, dry cleaning where there's lockers in the laundry room. You drop your stuff off. You use an app to place your order. Um, they come and pick it up. They take care of it. It's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So we heard about it like a year ago. And then um, Dean, my boyfriend, was last week or a couple of days ago, tried it out. And he was like, oh, it was so easy um, and convenient. And like, we'll see what happens when we get it back. Um, so already I was like, this is a super smart idea. I'm surprised like this hasn't come around or been more mainstream um, sooner. But what I really respected was the branding. Um, so it's a smart idea, cool. But when we got the 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 clothing back it was in like a really nice blue garment bag with like the branding on it um they really personalized the experience where the guy i said the guy the app messages you as if it's alfred so they use it in first person it's like hey dean i've dropped it off and it's ready to go and so it makes it feel like you have your own little butler and it's so cute and um the website is great like if you scroll through the website it has a really fun interactive thing which i can show you guys later and we'll link to it on the blog but yeah, I just respect their hustle because it's a great smart idea and they did it right because they made it beautiful and they, the experience of the first time will make us want to do it again. Cool. Does who, <laughs> a human actually washes it, right? No, it's a robot. What do you mean? What do you mean? A robot comes, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Yes. A person comes and gets it and they wash it, but, okay. cool. um, <laughs> but you don't have to see anyone or talk to anyone. Ah. <laughs> I, I wonder, um, similar to like Dollar Shave Club and all that, if this is actually owned by a larger company that we just oh, don't probably. know. Oh, probably. Or if it's like in the process of being sold to Procter and Gamble or something. Because <laughs> yeah. it looks beautiful and like it's a, it's a, sounds like it's a really interesting system, the way that they do it, that sort of like the bigger, um, the bigger brands in, in the cleaning space uh, would be crazy not to be threatened by this. Also interesting that the motion graphics that happened within it were, you know, stylized to be very uh, rudimentary. Mm -hmm. It looked like early South Park animation that was just happening, which is, you know, um, that's cool. I wouldn't have even thought to, you know, discuss that with anybody that wanted some motion graphics. So next thing maybe that could be neat. Yeah. Or sure. already is. Whoever created this website, good for you. <laughs> Gold <laughs> <Nick approves>. star. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Version Control, episode 43, The Evolution of YouTube. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. <laughs>